You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wrestling with Statistics, where we take a unique approach looking at the world of professional wrestling through the lens of stats, analytics, and everything in between. I am your host, Ryan Knightsey, and with me, as always, is the man of ProWrestlingMusings.com, Craig Leesk himself. Craig, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, some, you know, quarantine up and downs this week. Well, that's to be expected. I'm quite excited to be sitting down to do this now, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. Quarantine is is not the most fun, but what is fun is stats, numbers, and the a- and AEW wrestling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how you do a transition. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, how you doing? How's how's quarantine treating you, Craig? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 odd, isn't it? Um, kind of trying to just find stuff that that works for you stuff to do and try not to get too bogged down with things i know i find that i'm like really unreasonable at least once during the week and just get like irrationally angry about something that is just you know not not really bothering you at all i get that yeah i i had a so in my free time uh when i'm not watching wrestling or or doing whatever the heck i'm doing I like to go uh, rock climbing. Um, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, uh, to get, get I have to get a little bit of fitness in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like to go rock climbing, and obviously, with everything closing, you know, going rock climbing in a gym is yeah. not feasible, and also not probably going to happen in a very long time. I mean, you can open normal gyms and wipe down the mm-hmm. equipment, but wiping down, you know, holds and whatnot, <laughs> a whole wall. It's it's gonna it's a nightmare. So that's not going to happen anytime soon. But I remember a couple of days ago, I was just getting, I was just so upset all day. And I was just thinking to myself, I just want to go rock climbing. This is all I yeah. want to do right now. And I just, it was just like, put a little mark on my day where I was just like, I gotta, I gotta do something about this. And then I yeah, just, it's, hard. it's, it's rough. It's hard. And you know, it's, it's weird that this is what life is, uh, <laughs> But you know, it's one of those things where we just got to get used to it, which is which sucks. But I have to say that. But, yeah, um, oh, I don't. I don't really know where it's going either. Like, I, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't see the end of this. I think it's going to happen again, quite frankly, which nobody wants to hear. But I think it is. I um, I, I yeah. like to hear it because of the very. I like to be at the very least realistic and mm. safe. So it's like the safe, realistic approach is be like, just understand that like the fall winter might not be fun again. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just let's just let's just prepare our minds and bodies for the reality that can exist. And that's that's the approach I'm getting to it. But that's the thing that people are having the most trouble with. Like it's it's your neck of the world that can't get to grips with that. What do you I'm mean? Gonna... We have we're we're going on, we're going to bowling alleys again, dude. Oh. What are you talking about? I'm I'm hitting strikes and turkeys all over the place. Oh, I oh like <laughs> I found this really good article this week, and it was like it's from the New Yorker, which is American. Um, interestingly, Americans don't seem to have read it. That sounds a bit. I don't I don't mean to generalize like that. I'm being over dramatic, but um, yeah, it was like uh, a comparison of all the different countries, like curves and 
you know, you could see a lot of the curves of countries that were opening back up, you know, South Korea, Mm -hmm. Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, you know, these curves that looked like a, you know, a curve, (laughs) an incline and a decline. And then in amongst all the countries that were starting to open up was um, America, who have, you know, this massive incline and an ever so slight decline that is quite wobbly and, yeah, opening back up. But anyway, anyway. The the United States are known for uh, prematurely getting to a conclusion. <laughs> Just sort of like, oh, it's starting to go down. Let's get out of here. Let's go. Let's go. All good. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it is what it is, I guess. I'm the one that has to live here. But on the bright mm. side, we're going to bowling alleys again. We're going to gyms again. Where we're getting our pump on. Um I that's that's one of my funniest bits uh about uh Georgia opening up with they're like, Oh, bowling alleys can open up again. I'm just like, you know for a fact that the governor of Georgia just, he likes, just likes to bowl. <laughs> he just he just likes to bowl. That's all it is. He's just like, I missed bowling. Like if I was the governor of Georgia, I would be like, Hey, guess what? Rock climbing gyms can open and then I would go to a rock climbing gym finally. <laughs> but like that's Sounds all like- it is. Jeff Bezos recommissioning programs just because he likes them. Yeah, I, if you have the power, then why not just do it? Or in yeah. Jeff Bezos' world, if you have trillions of dollars, just do it. Yeah. Uh, anyways, anyway. <laughs> anyways, a little out of the quarantine world, but I like the update. I like the I like I like hearing the update about how you're doing, Craig. I know it's it's not fun. How I know you, uh, I know you're a teacher, uh, yes. Craig. So is the school year almost over for you, or you still have a couple more weeks left? Um, so I think there's about six or seven weeks left. Six um, in this, oh. yeah. Um, it's the end of June that we would finish. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's just this is a well, yeah, it's just very weird. Like you spend a whole year with this bunch of kids, and you're doing a lot of work and getting quite, you know, it's quite ah. Uh, it's a job that kind of takes a lot of you um, and then for it to just be kind of cut short and you're sending emails and getting pictures of work. It's just, it's kind of lacking closure. It's very, very odd. And there's also like a level of, to a certain extent, you're building camaraderie with mm-hmm. your students yeah. over the course of, course of a year. And then all of a sudden it's like, I don't really see students' faces anymore. I just see their homework in pictures. Yeah. And you just kind of want to know that like, I mean, it's a bit of a, like a, it's a bit of a parental relationship in a way, like you're not their parents, but it's a kind of, it's slightly, it's the same kind of, it's like, it's a duty of care in a way. Um, So yeah, there's that, there's that respect to it too. It's just, yeah, it's just like something's being cut off before, um, before you expected, which is kind of, um, I don't know, it's just kind of discontent. Uh, disquieting though can't find the right word but yeah it just doesn't feel kind of right um my guess is that by you know the middle of august school will be back in in this country in some way shape or form it might not be like full classrooms but i think i think it'll go back to normal some like well not normal but yeah reduced classes or something like i can't i can't yeah i don't know i hadn't really <laughs> hadn't really considered uh considered that option yeah, it's, I, reduce classes could work, be, I guess. It must be odd from your end where you're trying to, um, you know, in your kind of line of acting work, you can't, you can't really do, well, hopefully you can't really do that unless Georgia are throwing um, loads of 
actors into small rooms together. I yeah, the film world <laughs> doesn't work in in any capacity. I mean, the film world has sadly been it's the film world is one of the i would argue one of the uh safe conscious uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. jobs it's not like the safest job but it's definitely understands what it means to be safe on the on the position however it's not the cl- it's never been like the cleanest job <laughs> um you do have what you know maybe 100 plus people confined to like a small sort of area so it, it it's not going to happen unless you're shooting like really really small commercials or you're doing like I don't know like okay. a, a documentary following one person or whatever you know what I mean and you have a small crew of like five people there's ways oh, to get around that's, it that's not the norm though it's not the norm I I right. you know the the job I worked on before quarantine went down was uh was was the Titan Games mm-hmm. um, which. Titan Games debuts uh, this, uh, I think, May 25th. So check it out. Um, okay. Titan Games with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, oh, really? Right. Yeah. Saw him in person. <laughs> A whole other story. Um, but uh, yeah, like, so that it you can't. That's a game show. You can't do that in any capacity with a quarantine in effect. And, right. yeah. and sadly, going back to rock climbing gyms, the things that I do in my life are things that are probably the last thing that are going to come back. Uh, rock climbing gyms, film, <laughs> just, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, because you can't do it with, you can strip down a lot of people, but then it's the the work is going to, the shoot is going to pass by way longer, or not pass by, but take way longer. I suppose if this was to like stretch out and be a re- reoccurring thing, like it might like adjust and you might get a lot of, I don't know, a particular kind of film for a while. Yeah, I could see small, very small commercial shoots okay. potentially being made. Um, but at the same time, I could also see the argument of like if I was a producer or someone, you know, mm-hmm. some studio, or if I was. If I was Papa John's, let's say, uh, you know, cla- uh, if I not not the not the Papa himself, let's say I'm Shaq, who is a minority owner of Papa John chains in Georgia. If I was Shaq and I was like, you know, we can shoot a commercial, or the safer option is to sh- make some sort of animated commercial. Sure, sure. It, you know, I would shoot the the moral option would probably be to mm-hmm. make a animated commercial uh that does mean that now there are people in the film world that are still waiting out on jobs and it's tough it's a it's a tough world that we live in and uh, same thing i mean yeah conversely you know uh, where you live can probably get their stuff together by the time fall and winter rolls around like we sort of talked about i don't know about america getting their stuff together too quickly uh or i guess yeah uh um yeah, I, so I like I don't see movies or TV shows being made live action at least being made for a mm, while yeah. unless this sort of makes sense much to the difficulty for everybody that depends on that. Yeah, and it it's a conversation that's currently happening happening in Hollywood and that is you know, how can we do it? What can we put in effect? There's I I've seen pitches of like let's 
house the entire crew in a hotel and test them and yeah. so, and then sort of you know quarantine them make sure they're all safe and test them see if they are negative or whatever and then have them work and then they come back to the hotel and so they're just sort of quarantining themselves between work and the hotel for the duration of the period the problem mm-hmm. being there's several it's like a social bubble i suppose exactly exactly yeah. the pro- there's several problems there obviously like you know you're still going to be clean on set obviously mm-hmm. there's the potential where like you have to order food and there's going to be yeah, outside people like coming one, in one slip up kind of bursts it not even we're not even talking about the fact that tests could be false positives yeah. or false yeah. negatives it's a whole there's a whole thing and it's, it's just out it just unravels into like ah who knows um, which is why i find it frustrating when you see people online being like can't believe all these and um, you know AEW detractors are giving them a hard time for still running. They've tested this, and they've done this, and they've done this, and it's like, yeah, but you, are are you so sure? Like, we're it's not like if you get this wrong, somebody slips and hurts their knee. It's like if if you get this wrong, somebody with such and such a health condition could die. It's not like, I, I'm yeah, people are kind of, I don't know, people seem to be struggling with the reality of it. At the very least, you know, whether testing be faulty, which testing be faulty is the name of my next rap album, but whether <laughs> the testing is faulty or not, at least AEW is testing, you yeah. know, whereas yeah. other companies uh, are not or reportedly mm-hmm. have not been uh, testing. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, you know, it's a, it's in, it is a... It, it is a step into the right direction in a way it's you know it's making an effort into being safe for your employees and stuff mm-hmm. um whereas you know other companies may have a magical spray that will kill the virus <laughs> and, like and, a sword yeah just like just kill the virus in an hour i don't know why that that product isn't being mass sold everywhere <laughs> or I, what? Think it's bleach. I think they were referring to bleach I wouldn't be surprised if Triple H is just <laughs> describing Bleach. Oh my gosh! Um, but yeah, but besides all that, uh, AEW at the very least is still putting on shows. Um, you know, to qu- still put on entertainment for their contracted networks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But we're also prepping for a pay per view around the corner. Of course, we're talking about Double or Nothing. Um, obviously AEW has chosen the double when it comes to this pay-per-view and not necessarily the nothing part Um, I don't get that reference I'm just sort of making a joke about why they're still putting on the pay-per-view oh (laughs) sorry that was really rude no you're fine I'm just going to (laughs) slide jokes in here I'm just going to keep sliding them Uh, but yeah we have a double or nothing pay-per-view coming up of course uh, we currently, at the time of this recording, recording have uh, eight matches announced. Um, you know, presumably with another Wednesday in between this recording and the pay per view, yeah. maybe something more pops up. Who knows? But we'll find out when that all gets revealed down the line. Uh, instead, you know, we got we got a little bit of preview. I want to talk about that little table of contents that we talked about last week mm-hmm. uh, to sort of go over the show order for you folks at home. Of course, we're going to start looking at one of the select matches from AEW Dynamite past week, which was Brody Lee versus Christopher Daniels, that main event segment. Uh, then we got another scatterplot for you. Last week, we sort of talked about, you know, would 
we, we looked at strikes per hour versus win-loss record last week, and it came back slightly negative correlation. So we were wondering if strike downs uh, would be any different. So we have sort of an, uh, a, another graph that looks at that with a lot of interesting factors, new developments as we started recording this, new developments that is actually quite interesting. And then, of course, right. and then of course we're going to go and go match by match at the time of this recording through AEW Double or Nothing before the show starts. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's get to it, I guess, Craig, and let's look over at Brody Lee versus Christopher Daniels. Of course, that was the main event last Dynamite where uh, Brody Lee was able to pick up another victory, uh, another victory on his train of victories over mm. none other than SCU's Christopher Daniels. What about this match really striked, striked out? <laughs> all these jokes were just flying through. all right. That's good. It's, it's, it's passable. Um, what, what, kind, what kind of strikes to you during this match? Uh, yeah, so this was, as you said, the main event. Um, the kind of kind of the only real match that was kind of worth going into proper detail on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose there was the other tag team, the Best Friends, and uh, Jurassic Park. But that was kind of there was a lot of kind of shenanigans and goings on at the end of towards the end of that. Um, so yeah, this was this was interesting. It was kind of undefeated Brody Lee uh, going to take on the main detractor of. Um, even him, his 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 um, existence at one point, Christopher Daniels, um, who was very involved with um, the Dark Order, kind of in 2019, early 2020. A lot of people, even at one stage, thought that it was maybe a bit of a ruse, and his fallen angel persona would come out, and he would, in some way, perhaps even be the exalted one. So there was, you know, there's all that kind of backstory to this. Um, in terms of the statistical story of this, it was really interesting. Um, in so much that before this match, Brody Lee came in with a 85% average offense rate in his match. And, you know, there's the obvious caveat of perhaps who was he wrestling against, but, you know, nonetheless. Um, in this match, he got 48% of the offense. So very different to what he was used to. Christopher Daniels coming out with most of the offense, if you want to paint it black and white like that. But the offense between the two men was very, very different. Um, Brody Lee was being presented here as more of an unbeatable monster, like perhaps a little bit more like the likes of um, Lance Archer, in so much that the babyface going up against him couldn't take him down. Um, and we saw this in the fact that Brody Lee didn't drop to the mat to the mat, not even once, um, for a strike move, a strike down like we've been talking about. Um, Christopher Daniels with zero percent strike down rate. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, but other things, um, Christopher Daniels was going for a lot of dives, five dives from him to one from Brody Lee, interestingly enough. Um, his was a kind of a springboard sent on type move um over the rope. Um, a third of Brody Lee's strikes were strike downs. So being set up as a heavy hitter, able to knock down opponents. He was being very intimidating in this match and was kind of staring down the referee, had his hands on the referee at one stage, kind of perhaps playing into his megalomaniac character. Um, But it was the, I felt the big thing that they built uh, Brody Lee into this match was the kickouts. So... There was early on in the match, there was a kick out before one, a kick out at zero. 
after three dives from Christopher Daniels' suicide dive, moonsault springboard type thing, and a springboard elephant. Elephant? Springboard elephant. That might have worked. <laughs> springboard elbow drop and didn't even get a one count. And then later on, there was a chair shot from Daniels during the kind of um, dark order run-in. Um, he hit leave a chair behind the ref's back, put in submission, and then hit the angel's wings. Only got a one count. Um, and then later on, there, he eventually got a two count by hitting the best moonsault ever. So it was um, uh, this essentially was a match of making Brody Lee look on kind of on I don't know unconquerable. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Daniels definitely got like a little bit more offense in this match than Brody Lee, but ultimately mm-hmm. you're looking at everything. It's like no, he Brody Lee himself is still a monster. You know, he is still. Where it where the quality of wrestler before Brody Lee would just utterly destroy them now Brody yeah. Lee is he is um, still <laughs> still I mean it, maybe not destroying but the very least uh, what's the word I'm trying to say um, uh, overpowering now the, the king, yeah. he's kicking out at one he's you know he's doing all these things where he's yeah, like it's yeah. you whatever you do I'm I'm back up. You know, I'm not. Daniels, Daniels kind of had to get the offense here so that we could see that Brody Lee is was un- resilient. Is unstoppable tight. to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. It was um, some of the kind of similar Lance Archer uh, booking here, but perhaps even dialed up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. One one thing that just sort of struck out to me that I kind of liked a lot was that the match length here was nine minutes and thirty five seconds. Which oh. uh, before this match, um, Brody Lee's total match time in AEW was nine minutes and twenty eight seconds. Mm-hmm. So that is a seven second difference. That yeah. I just I just saw that and I was like, oh, that's a fun little <laughs> fun yeah, little stat. Which is which is what they like. They've made Brody Lee look look like really strong here, and it really helps for going into the uh, the the pay per view match. But like Christopher Daniels wasn't buried, you know. He's he's an older guy. He's is he forty seven or something? He's quite old. He's he's up term. there. He's definitely up there. Yeah, yeah. In terms of like wrestler term, um, wrestler kind of age ranges, and you know, there's still there's still some something to get out of this guy, but not if you just flatten him all the time. And they they haven't done that here. Christopher Daniels is fifty years old. Is he? Oh wow, jeez. Yeah, that is. He can still go for fifty. That's that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. This was a good match as well. This is a real, real good match for a 50-year-old. Um, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, yeah, this was the match that was sort of building up the proposed Exalted One versus the actual Exalted One. And yeah, I like it, you're right. It, you had to give Daniels more match offense to show the unstoppableness of the Exalted One, Brody Lee, which greatly plays into you know our conversation that's definitely going to be happening about the main event, presumably, mm-hmm. of Moxley versus Brody Lee about how it appears that you know moxley is someone that is very resilient but can he overcome someone that is i would argue at this point the epitome of unstoppable um in brody lee i mean there i don't know (laughs) i don't looking at all these numbers and everything it's like i don't a third of his strikes are strike downs Mm-hmm. Um, you know, D- Daniels gets a little bit more reversals, but ultimately still pills out. You know, still doesn't win. A chair shot to the back only gets one shot, uh, one count. 
it's didn't get didn't get one count. Oh, didn't get he didn't even get oh, anything. No, he like it's that thing where he covers him and it's an immediate kind of recoil type oh kick out. Oh my god, I don't I don't know what uh, I I don't know what uh John Moxley is gonna have to do, but we'll get that conversation I guess mm-hmm. later down the line. Yeah, I, yeah, very good match. Uh, I I really liked this. I enjoyed this match. Um, it wasn't you know it wasn't a great great match, but it was definitely a good match to to watch. Oh, especially with the story background of it all. Uh, and yeah, good on Christopher Daniels. 50 years old. I cannot believe he's actually 50 years old. That's insane. Uh, okay. Well then let's get into the next conversation, which is, we have another scatter plot here. Uh, you know, sort of what I said, talked about earlier was that last week we looked at, uh, strikes per hour versus win loss record. Cause we've been sort of looking at, um, unveiling the average offense match offense per, you know, versus win loss record. And we saw that there's this positive thing that the more offense you give, the more likely you win. Um, and so we looked at strikes and it came at back as a sort of negative correlation that we're like, okay, maybe strikes don't play a necessary idea, but maybe an actual strike down where you hit the opponent so hard that they fall maybe that is more positive and you know we got the graph right on the screen as you as you can see it uh on our video version if you are seeing it on the video version uh uh craig watch it walk walk us through this thing what are we looking at yeah uh, just just on that in the video version so um where we're talking about statistics here and usually we we try to say them out loud to put them in your head and um, i'm a visual person i always if i can see it 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 kind of means more to me so if you are I don't know if you're like walking whilst listening to this or whatever. If you do go to the website, progressandmusings.com website, the the latest AEW League standings, what do I call it? AEW Wrestling League Reports Post Dynamite. It's map stats and league standings. And um, everything that we're talking about is there. So you can just see it, get it up on your phone or whatever. Uh, that's certainly what I would do. Um, in terms of what it looks like, so... Well, there's one there's one thing that jumps straight out, and that is the guy that always jumps straight out of any crowd, and that man's name is Lance Archer. Lance Archer has a strike down rate per hour of wrestling of 62 strike downs. So if he was to wrestle for an hour on average, based on what he's done so far, he'd get 62 strike downs, which is over one strike down a minute. That's crazy. So he's way out front. Jimmy Havoc is number two. 30 strike down per hour and he's been in a lot of squash matches so that's kind of really highlighting the bulldozing um clobbering hulk type figure of lance archer and again to 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 bring the the weight of what we're saying we're we're not saying just strikes we're talking about you know over and a strike down a minute over the course of an hour basically he can just he'll punch you and you fall almost every minute or every minute, yes. I should say, in an hour. Yeah. And, I, you know, there's the, it's fun to say those stats, but you do have to do the boring, logical thing that gives you credibility and point out that Archer hasn't, he's, you know, he's, he's not been in the, he's not had five matches against, you know, the best, the best. It's not been Omega, Pac, then Cody, then, you know, whoever. It's, he's been in a few easier matches. But I don't know. I sum up. Well, that's that's selling me short a bit. I suppose there's been Dustin Rhodes and Colt Cabana amongst all of those. Um, so they're 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 around the middle of the pack, I suppose you could say, for as AEW wrestlers go. Yeah. The only the only I guess quote unquote 
well, I'm not going to say Jobber. The only, because this person, as I think, exceeded Jobber limitations. The only person you that he... High, though, you're Lance Archer. Fair. Uh, the only person that Lance Archer has faced in AEW Dynamite that has not been a contracted talent, and that was Alan Angels. All right, okay. Yeah. Um, who Alan Angels, as we all know, eventually faced Kenny Omega, and then Ray Phoenix. Uh, He's and... the man that shoot down Kenny Omega, though. Yes, correct. Destroyed um, Kenny Omega's career. Destroy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. He, he kicked out at one, just like Brody Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Uh. Yeah. No. So, like Lance Archer, the quality. Of, looking back, it's actually the quality of his opponents are actually not. Because, as I was saying, that it's it's not being Brody Lee type stuff. He's faced some decent guys. Yeah, Dustin Rhodes, Cole Cabana. Dustin Rhodes is a twenty-two minute match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Okay. What else? What else about this graph? Um. It's so uh, the 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 headline is that it's a positive correlation, meaning that um. Having a lot of strike downs does lead you more likely to win the match, which um, wouldn't be a surprise for me. I mean, strike downs—that's that's everything from um, the fifth punch in a sequence that eventually, you know, drops into the mat, or things like super kicks, clotheslines. Um, I've been counting a spear as a strike down. I know in the old SmackDown versus Raw games that would be you would hit a spear using the grapple button, but I always felt it was more of a strike. Um, than than a grapple, you you know you're you're hitting them with your shoulder essentially. It's not it's not really particularly drawn out. So yeah, it's it's those big. Yeah. I would not, I would not describe a a spear just the object of a spear as like a thing that will catch someone. It's a thing that you're throwing at someone that's going to hit hit them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Strike. Strike down. Strike downs, it's a positive correlation. So it's got it trends quite highly towards um, winning matches. That that does come a lot from Lance Archer having such strong numbers alongside his wins. Um Jimmy Havoc, uh, he's got a plus two win-loss record, um, kind of pulling along there. And then Jake Hager, Kenny Omega, Colt Cabana, and Sammy Guevara are other guys that are kind of above average with strike downs. Um, below average with strike downs, Cody Rhodes, John Moxley, interestingly, mm-hmm. especially as they are the two, the two guys with the best win loss records. Yeah, interesting enough that they're so high on win loss records, and yet they're like not that great in terms of strike downs. They're sort of you know middle of the pack, maybe mm-hmm. up there with you know strike downs in terms of like Jericho, you know uh, Christopher Daniels. Uh, Orange Cassidy, yeah, <laughs> Strike Down King. Um, there's that little cluster in the back that I just want to highlight as well. Again, if you're mm-hmm. looking at the graph, um, there's a little cluster right in the back of MJF, Spears, and Darby Allen. Yeah, MJF and Spears in particular are not proficient strike down guys, but um, and Darby Allen just ahead of them, but are are doing well in the rankings. So. You know, it's again, it's showing that there's no like recipe to winning a wrestling match. It's complex and they're not booking it in a way that if wrestler A does X and Y, they will win. If wrestler B does Z, they will lose. It's, you know, it's um, more of a tapestry than a mathematical equation. But compared, based on what we've seen the past three weeks, compared to a strike down will 
you know, take looking and I guess in the kayfabe of it all, mm-hmm. a strike down where it will a strike down on your opponent will more likely lead to a victory than just a bunch of strikes to an opponent. Yeah, I mean, what we could say from what we've seen over the last two weeks is that guys that are using a lot of strikes but aren't using them, that aren't focused and using them to take their their guy down, um are probably cutting legs out from underneath themselves. Whereas guys who are intending to hit heavy and put their opponents down to, to the ground, you know, that, that is a far um, superior strategy. Yeah. The, this, uh, this graph is very interesting. And then you sort of uh, have a second graph here that I just want to highlight again, that you just added in the women's division, which we sort of, ta- we were sort of get to a little bit, but you added a little bit of the women's division into this graph that I just want to highlight a little bit. Yeah, um, so I kind of did that for for data to like to add more data in to see to see you know it's still early days of this and um, perhaps in six months time we'll find out that strike downs aren't actually a big deal at all. Um, the the reason that I've always used the male the male um, singles division for this is because certainly in twenty twenty with all of the things going on, this has been the division that has been um, most used by AEW. Um, and there, there are only actually six female wrestlers that have wrestled for more than twenty minutes this year. Um, but yeah, when you yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> um, but when you add when you add them in, um, the first thing that you say is that the the women are using strike downs more than the men. That's more of a feature of their matches. Um, but also that that flattens the correlation slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you isolate those six women and put them into a separate graph, it's a quite a negative correlation between strike downs and and winning the match. Um, but then, I mean, the, the obvious thing to point out there is there's only six of them, and um, which is not a particularly good data set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's definitely something when it comes to the women's division to be looking at when further in the year as the year comes mm-hmm. and, you know turns around a little bit and obviously they've had a situation where a lot of their women's division you know joshi related or from england or whatever can't be used so it's like they're yeah. using less people but uh yeah uh, so far what we're seeing that and it's not just a negative correlation it's a re <laughs> it's a that is a it's the biggest correlation we've seen it, it is incredibly negative um it is insane to look at and i'm interested to see i guess how you know looking back on this maybe like two months from now mm-hmm. uh to see where we where we have because yeah like you said a lot of this stuff is you're you're looking at at least 20 minutes of ring time you know mm-hmm. a, a lot of people we're still what we're i mean even though we're in may not everyone's getting a lot of tv time and especially when those atlanta tapings take out a lot of talent and obviously quarantine and whatnot um, so I'm interested to see what this looks like as we as the year moves further along. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's early, it's early days, but it, it's it's interesting to start looking at it now. Um, and I think there's enough data there to be, you know, these, you know, there's 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 loads of data there for um, the male singles division, and you know, seeing how it um, progresses over the course of the year is is um, interesting in itself. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, speaking of um matches <laughs> i've never transitioned set up but speaking of uh you know looking at and looking forward uh to something coming up what we want to look at here is aew double or nothing like we talked about that's the pay-per-view happening this saturday uh this saturday may 23rd um so get your pay-per-view buys ready folks 
Uh, we wanted a little preview, match by match preview of everything that's happening, leading up uh, and giving some sort of stat breakdown, a little bit of stat breakdown for in you know the matches that we can do at four um, of everything that's happening. So you you know you ready to do this, Craig? Ready to go through these eight matches? Uh, no, no, not really. Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, then uh, okay. Then uh, I'll I'll just go do it by myself. You you can take. Sorry, the- I'm one of I'm one of those people that like just likes to be really irritating. Here, everybody loves it. And um, yes, absolutely. I'm very excited about AEW Double or Nothing. Um, not as much as I usually would be for an AEW pay-per-view. I think it's just because of the quarantine and the the weird situation, but I'm sure I'll enjoy it when it comes around. I actually agree. I do agree with that. Like, sort of talking about Double or Nothing itself, it is... It doesn't this... seem like it's like it's eight days away. Yeah, it, it there is usually... there. There has been this, like, fervor of energy... You know, that's how long it Yeah, it's that is, <laughs> it, it, you know, obviously the match was scheduled, the, the pay per view was scheduled to take place at the MJM Grand Arena in, in Las yeah. Vegas, but uh, it, a lot of stuff has changed in the world to not uh, no longer allow that. Now it's just presumably happening at Daly's place uh, in Jacksonville. I, I can't imagine how it can't be. Um, but yeah, it, I'm very intrigued about what's going to happen uh, at Double or Nothing. It's going to be very weird to watch. Um, but of course, we've had WrestleManias at the Performance Center. So who knows? Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see. Like you said, I'm, I'm not the most excited currently. And let's see, I guess, what this upcoming Dynamite has to say for itself. Um, I also don't think they have built it as they would have done um, otherwise. Like, I don't think we'd be going into it with a, I don't know if it will be the main event or if it'll be like the stadium stampede thing, but like, I don't think the world title match would have been involving Brody Lee. I I would like, agree with that. I would 100% I they, agree with that. You know, I think they're maybe saving things. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. They're, they're hoping that, when would the next pay-per-view after this be? Double or nothing, three months from now, June, July, August. So that was what, All, all Out? All Out, I believe? Yeah. I'm imagining they're hoping that All Out can really be that pay-per-view sort of thing that sort of idea where we have fans attendance and everything um okay well then let's start looking at double or nothing i I have a list of matches here right in front of me that i sort of want to go through each individual match first off in the buy-in we have private party ranked according to of course the rankings of pro wrestling musings which you can always find at prowrestlingmusings.com or in the uh aew wrestling league report which is linked in the description of this episode there will there is a private party ranked number eight versus best friends ranked number three of course there is the stipulation in this match that the winner of this match will become the official number one contender for the AEW World Tag Team Championship, um, which is interesting seeing at those rankings. Um, Craig, what's your first take looking at this sort of buy-in match? Um, so it makes, sorry, best friends versus private party. Correct. Yes, sorry, my brain is on go slow mode this morning. Um, yeah, Best friends deserve it. Best friends should be in that match. That makes sense um, statistically based on, you know, Dark Order, Orange Round, um, Stu Grayson and um, Uno, Evil Uno. Um, yeah. See, this is the issue um, with the way that AEW book things. I expect Private Party will win a match on Dark 
and that will make this look more reasonable. Um, but for me, that's the wrong way around. Obviously, they're trying to get pay-per-view buys, but they they book things too quickly. Like like this doesn't need to. This isn't going to get you pay-per-view buys. Um, so have private party win on dark, then have private party wrestle against. Um, well, I don't know who could they wrestle against. Lucha Brothers or even I don't know anyone TH two or whatever on Dynamite. Um, for the right face best friends in the number one contenders match and then there you go it makes sense yeah there is this idea that if you just looking at it right now private party are three and two if they had a match on dark that they win against whoever and then a match let's say on dynamite against um jurassic express then they become five and two which then means that they are six in the ranking um and it's like a little bit closer um, maybe just have best friends lose a match so they drop it's, a little bit. I don't based, know. based on what you were describing, they'd be um, they'd be just fine best friends. Yeah, exactly, and that, that's what I'm saying. Like you can, based on the bookings that they've been doing, where it's like the dark matches matter really a lot more. I guess is what I guess mm-hmm. what they're presenting it as. Um, it, it it really just can really. It feels like it inflates it, but I guess really what they're presenting is that the dark matches really matter, even though they're just against, you know, Ryan Rembrandt and Mike Reed or whatever. Um, but, but, I, but it's just, it's like, it's, they've been, and they've done this all the time. Like, they did this really badly with the women's division for a while. And yeah, I don't, yeah, it just, it's, I don't know, it just bugs me. You can just, you can see the inner workings too much. It, and, it doesn't feel it feels more like WWE than it does like a sport when they're doing things like that. Speaking of sports, I looked a little closely into some of the specific stats. You know, of course, we started talking about how match offense strike mm-hmm. downs or, you know, could be things that lead to victories. Uh, so I sort of pulled those numbers for these tag huh. teams here. Uh, looking at strike downs and versus the versus mode, uh, private party, you know, beats best friends by having four more strike downs per hour than best friends, uh, average mo- match offense, private party is 59% versus best friend 48. Um, I also looked at their I looked at tags and double teams. This is sort of like the first tag team match that we've had, um, you know, th- that we're looking at that we're previewing or whatever. Um, yeah. so I wanted to look at, you know, I was wondering if tagging a lot in a match you know keep staying fresh that idea of coming in staying fresh in a way sort of tagging a lot would mean that you have more control of the match in a way um potentially um but then there's also control the match versus in double team maneuvers i wonder if those things can lead to victories looking at that uh tag teams or looking at private party when it comes to tags they have 28 per hour versus best friends 21 in double teams, private party has 29 per hour versus 15 is the best friends. So basically, private party's ahead in all four of those demos that I looked at, you know, despite being ranked way lower. So I'm sort of like wondering why is that? Maybe there's this experience edge with best friends or endurance, defense, potentially. You know, looking at their total offensive take-in, best friends uh has 218 per hour versus private parties 169 per hour so best friends take a lot more offense um mm-hmm. and they still win uh private party has a 35% reversal re- reversal rate versus best friends 27% so a lot of numbers there that i just threw at you 
But uh, based on all those things, based on all those ideas, who do you think can potentially win this match? Um, I, I, I would suggest that it would be the best friends and private party are very unpredictable, very inconsistent, I think is the word that um, would come to mind in terms of them. They're very exciting double team moves and dives. They do loads and loads of diving maneuvers. And that was very apparent in their match on dark this week. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Best friends are on a roll. They're, they're sharp. They've been wrestling loads and they're in huge amount of form. Both men have just become seven for seven in 2020. These two were way down at the bottom of the overall standings for quite some time. And both of them have had a poor time of it in singles matches. And they have suffered a couple of losses, at least one certainly in trios matches. And so, yeah, they're they're in form. They're on the rise. Confidence must be high. Um, and yeah, I think I think they're they're going to be rewarded, quite frankly, for helping um, hold things together during the uh, the the Georgia gym shows and the um, the recent kind of AW dynamites and darks from Jacksonville. Yeah, there's this thing about like looking at the numbers versus you know booking ideas about like it yeah. totally makes sense. It's a, I I agree that it is this is sort of potentially a reward to the best friends for um you know helping out. I hope that doesn't like slightly give this idea of like to other tag teams where it's like, mm-hmm. "Well, if we showed up, maybe we could have had a title shot." You know, that I hope that doesn't insinuate that idea. Um yeah, but, that wouldn't be good. But you, it, but it's hard. It would be hard to use that as a reason to not push the best friends, unless they lose this match. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Unless they lose this match, and then it's like, well, they didn't get the title shot. They showed up, but mm-hmm. they didn't get the title shot. Um, yeah. which is interesting. I, I think numbers wise, yeah, I think the private party has really good numbers that they put on the board, but they lose a lot. So it's like, well, then they're not something's not happening. Something's not clicking with them. I remember for a long time, I was like looking specifically at um, which one I believe it's, it was that shooting star press um, okay. that I believe Mark Quinn does. That's right. I don't quite remember which one's which. Um, Mark Quinn's, it's an amazing shooting star press. Amazing shooting star press. Yeah, it's like Will Ospreay type athleticism. Yeah. You'd be surprised though, how, many times you know he immediately goes for that pin you'd be surprised mm-hmm. of how many times he doesn't win the match with that shooting star press uh-huh. uh when i was looking at it last year it was like incredibly low it was like they never won a match with it i was like wow they keep doing it hoping it's like it was like Sami Zayn's blue thunder bomb where it's like you keep doing it it looks beautiful but they're never winning with it um, yeah i suppose that's uh an issue with the way that wrestling's booked in general in that like that that doesn't that that's how it works you can you can tell like like new japan and the g1 last year kept noticing like naito started to hit a like a running destino and it would never pin someone but if you did like the the standing destino then it always would and the same became true with john moxley when he did like the snap death rider he'd never win but when he did the full kind of elevated death rider he would always win and I think AEW have been trying to subvert that. They've, you know, um, Kenny Omega won a match with um, the, the V-Trigger. Cody's been winning matches in different ways. Private Party, I do believe, sorry to 
<laughs> um, bring forward such direct evidence against your point, but I do believe Private Party actually beat Lee Johnson and Musa with that very same shooting star press. They did, they did. I, I'm just... I, I, you know, it's a good example. It's a good example. It just that happened to be on in my mind. They did win with that match, and I remember thinking, it was like, well, they finally won one. Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, I, I would have to look, double back and like watch a lot of more matches. Probably you'll, you'll, you'll be you'll be hundred percent right. That's that'll have been the only time it'll have won. That I can think of at the very least. And I think the fact that there have been a lot more um, independent wrestlers wrestling as enhancement talent, um, they've they've kind of underlined that by having a lot of the wrestlers win with just like big power moves or you know secondary finishers. Mm-hmm. In a way, it's establishing those secondary finishers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's move on to the next matchup here that I have lined up. It's looking at MJF versus Jungle Boy. MJF, of course, ranked number six, uh, who's also undefeated in 2020 so far, versus Jungle Boy, who's ranked number 26. That He only has one loss. He's only had one singles match in the year so far. But that match, that loss, I should say, did come from uh, episode number 19 of Dynamite from Austin, Texas, where it was MJF defeating Jungle Boy in 11 minutes and 54 seconds. Oh, really? So that loss that Jungle Boy suffered, it's sort of like we're having Jungle Boy MJF number two here uh, this year. Um, Yeah, I think it's it's, uh, a kind of good hand, a safe hand to kind of get MJF back into competitive singles. Agreed. Yeah. Again, looking at those numbers, strike downs, you know, five per hour for MJF versus Jungle Boy's 20. It should be said all of Jungle Boy's numbers are from this one match that he had against right. MJF. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, you know, that strike down number, incredibly small for MJF. But like we talked about in the last segment, um, the strike down numbers, despite having incredibly low strike downs, MJF still wins. So even then, it's like, okay, he still wins. Average match offense, 53% for MJF versus Jungle Boys 45. Total offense take of 128 for MJF versus Jungle Boys 167. And Jungle Boys reversal rate is also higher at 34% versus 27. I agree. I, I you gotta I think it's a probably an MJF win uh here. Mm-hmm. You know, looking especially looking at that high win-loss record despite lower numbers. Um I, and you know, he's he's better than everybody, you know, and I guess now we know it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I would I would suggest MJF will win this match. I would imagine he will be challenging John Moxley at some point in the future. I also think that MJF versus Jungle Boy is going to be a big headline match at a AEW pay per view at some point over the next kind of two to three years. They're both outstanding and mm-hmm. um, they're both very good at what they do. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm interested to see. I would agree that MJF could probably win and go off into challenging John Moxley. I guess in between, you know, after the casino ladder match, uh, however that plays out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I remember we sort of talked about earlier where it, it felt like maybe MJF was being groomed to be the world title shot challenger, um, and maybe that's what they're hoping for when they get to All Out. It being MJF versus John Moxley. Um, yeah, I, I think it's too early for him to win. I don't think he should be winning it this year. I hope they don't. I hope this isn't all about Cody. No, yeah, I could. Yeah, I, I don't think MJF is there yet. That's the problem. I, I, 
want to see Kenny Omega take the belt and be the champion for a bit. Yeah, I I guess more of a conversation we'll have later, but we'll just have sure. it now. Let's just have it now. Who <laughs> maybe a little playing our hand until what we think about the main event, but who do you think will take the title from John Moxley? I think it can only be Kenny, unless they go with Paige. Um, but I don't know. Um, I I want to see Kenny Omega as the AEW champion putting on like excellent world-class wrestling matches as at the top of the card. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, just looking at, I'm, you know, unless someone turned heel, of course, only looking at heels, mm. we're talking maybe like a Lance Archer, yeah, maybe Brody Lee again, Hager. I mean, these are all people he's already faced, I guess. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. The, the other name is Pac, but he doesn't, not bad. he doesn't feel... Like they see him like that. Yeah, Pac's not bad. Pac's not a bad mm-hmm. choice, not at all. It's definitely someone that it's we don't know yet. I, I think it's someone that hasn't been built up yet. And I guess you could say Omega is included in that because I would argue that Kenny Omega has sort of been on the downslope a little bit. Um, I would not. Been, yeah, he's been in the background to say the least. No, background is the better way to say it. Um, he's definitely been in the background for all of this stuff where it's like, okay, maybe they could heat up Kenny Omega, they can heat up a pack, but it's, I wonder, I don't think it's someone that we necessarily know yet. Can they really, really heat up an MJF to win the world title from John Moxley? Maybe, I, th- I don't know. I think, they can. I think they can, I just, I don't want them to rush with him. Exactly. I would agree. I would- I I think it would be to the detriment of somebody like Kenny Omega. I would agree with that. Uh, let's look at the casino ladder match uh, that's going to be happening. Of course, the casino ladder match, a very weird ladder match where two people will be starting off in the ring. Uh, there'll be a a, a a chip that's hanging in the sky. At any point, anyone could climb the ladder to, to reach the chip and grab it. Of course, that chip will give you a future AEW World Championship match. But every couple of minutes, another competitor will be added into the match until someone eventually wins it. So there's potential that someone could win this match before everyone else comes out. There's potential that everyone will come out and then someone's going to finally win it. Right now, in terms of announcements at the time of this recording, we have in this match Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, Ray Phoenix, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Frankie Kazarian, and apparently there will be two more that will be announced. So I guess we'll find that out on Wednesday. Or maybe there's surprises. I guess they could, there's potential they could be surprises. Maybe it's Mike Tyson. Um, <laughs> uh, Possibly. So we'll find out, I guess, uh, that this Saturday upcoming. But of course, we can't really talk about stats when it comes to this match. It's a gimmick match. It's also uh, you know, we're not pinning anybody. It's climbing a ladder. But just sort of fun fun looking at it, Craig, who do you think uh, could potentially win this match to get a future AEW World Championship shot? I'm I'm fascinated by this match. It sounds really interesting. Um, ladder matches are always fun. The kind of the the kind of ladder rumble match that they royal ladder match that they've set up um, is is interesting as well. Um, the the kind of the chip hanging sounds a bit interesting, but anyway, um, I would love Ray Phoenix to win this match. I would really like to see him pushed higher. He's he's a guy for me that could be in that 
that main event scene kind of top going with the kind of top level guys. There was a match um, in AAA last year where Kenny Omega won the AAA championship from Ray Phoenix. It was, a, it was an excellent match and he didn't, it didn't, you know, it didn't look like Kenny Omega was just going to win by default. It, it made sense. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd be a big fan of Ray Phoenix coming out as the winner. I easily agree with that, especially since, you know, with uh, the quarantine separating the death triangle, with Pentagon being stuck in Mexico, with Pac being stuck in England, and Phoenix Phoenix being stuck in the United States, this is the perfect opportunity to do a singles push for Ray Phoenix. So why Absolutely, not give yeah. a world time Absolutely. shot? Uh, my pick, however, I'm just going to go outside the ball. I'm just going to say Orange Cassidy. I just think it'll be fun. It, <laughs> there's no real reason why I'm saying Orange Cassidy other than the idea of some sort of match between him and John Moxley. Uh, I would have preferred if it was Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho. Um, yeah, that would have been really interesting. But I just, I just like the idea of everyone... Like he's just climbing the ladder very slow. You know, too many comedy spots. Well, that's gonna happen. Oh, it's one hundred percent gonna happen. I, I would, I can't, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a spot where get like halfway there and just give up. Or, or just he's climbing the ladder, and on the other side of the ladder, it's like I don't know, Darby Allen and Ray Phoenix fighting for control, and just it's a sloth that's slowly climbing this ladder. I don't know. I just it's one of those things where Orange Cassidy. Of all the possible Orange Cassidy gags in a ladder match. Yes, there's, there's, it's infinite. Honestly, um, the only reason I really, I guess, the thinking about it, the only really reason I have for Orange Cassidy potentially winning this match um, is that, based on you know ratings and whatnot, it appears that Orange Cassidy is one of, weirdly enough, uh, one of AEW's one of their top stars when it comes to like boosting ratings. So absolutely, yeah, and that's not surprising. Um, I I don't have any problem with Orange Cassidy being a future champion. I think I think it works. I think the people that think it's outside the box have a current lack of imagination or are miserable. <laughs> but I only those yeah, two I options. Could, only those two options. <laughs> I I could see him as champion. Um, not not at the moment, but yeah, give it give it three years. Why not? Yeah, or at the very least, maybe challenge for that TNT title. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. But if you're if you're saying that, like, I'm looking at the rating perspective. If you're mm-hmm. saying that you can have Orange Cassidy win this match and then prep for an Orange Cassidy World Title match, that that's those are some rating numbers right there. That works. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, absolutely that, works. If if your ratings start dipping, you can be like, well, here, let's play this. I was gonna say card really chip uh, <laughs> to uh, get this popping ratings, and I'll do it. I I like Ray Phoenix. I think there's a better idea with Ray Phoenix. But Orange Cassidy, there is the selfishness of just enjoyment, but also yeah. a rating pop will always get that there. Yeah, I, I can I can almost see Ray Phoenix. Oh, but is that limiting? I suppose this is the issue with the secondary title that a lot of people talk about. I could perhaps see Phoenix more as a TNT champion. I, I, I would agree. I think the problem is is that I don't necessarily think Phoenix... I, I don't think Phoenix is the person that's going to take the world title shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take the world title from Moxley, but it, he's a good person to do a title shot for. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the problem is also it's like I don't know what's going to happen to TNT title tournament, um, which I actually forgot to do when I did all these previews. <laughs> now that I'm looking, now that I'm thinking about it, 
Uh, let me quickly do that in the background. But let's move on to the next match as I quickly put some numbers down to this sheet of paper. Let's talk about uh, Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. Britt Baker, of course, ranked number five versus Chris Statlander's number nine. Um, what are you thinking so far when it comes to this match, Craig? Um, I would, I would like to think that they're going to go with Britt Baker. I think she is so hot right now that it would be silly not to. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's she's apart from like a properly good Kenny Omega match, she's probably my absolute favorite thing in the company. I think I'd rather see what Britt Baker's going to do next than Orange Cassidy, weirdly. How dare you? First <laughs> first Fabu Andre and now and now this I'm big, big Orange Cassidy fan. It's just Britt Baker has been something special and I don't think anybody would have expected that six months ago. Yeah, uh, Britt Baker is doing an amazing job as a heel in this company. Uh, she is one of, she has been, you know, during that those Jordan taping, she and Sheeta have both been amazing um, yeah. people in this time. It, it, I think it's also, weirdly enough, it's also similar to the best friends where Britt mm-hmm. Baker, it makes more sense for Britt Baker to win because it's it, maybe it's a little thank you, but it's also like Britt Baker has done an amazing job. Let's keep that train rolling. Conversely, does this hurt Chris Statlander? Probably. I, I think Britt Baker has done more for the AEW women's division than anybody else has in like in the whole thing, just based on this last month. You know that that it's that sounds like a hot take, but when you think about it, it's like you know. I agree. I I actually agree with that. I, I think I agree with that sentiment. With the title. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. Yeah, when there is the possibility, of course, of Sheeta winning, and then you have a Sheeta Britt Baker match. Mm, yeah, uh, which exactly. Is interesting. Um, you know, uh, looking at some of these numbers, uh, strike downs. Chris Statlander wins thirty-four to twenty-seven. Average match offense, Britt Baker wins 67% to 53%. Total offense taken, Chris Statlander wins 157 to uh, Britt Baker's 132. And then reversal rate, Britt Baker wins 40% to 32%. So uh, very back and forth, very, uh, yeah, yeah, it's very up in the air. Um, you know, of course, like we sort of referenced earlier, whether or not the strike downs uh, really matter when it comes to the women's division versus the men's division. Got a negative correlation, but it's also too early potentially to tell. Yeah. So who knows? I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Britt Baker wins here. You know, I think it makes the most sense. Um, yeah, Chris Statlander hasn't wrestled much recently. Britt Baker has. Um, she, yeah. The only, the only thing is if Britt Baker, you could see the story being Britt Baker gets carried away in the way that she did this last week and then Statlander wins. Yes, I could see that. I could see what, and then maybe lead to some sort of DQ finish where she, Chris Statlander gets the victory, but Britt Baker looks more dominant in it. You know, maybe that's something. Yeah, po- possibly. I suppose it also depends, depends who wins. Um, the, the title match. I I don't know if they would really want to have Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose. Yeah, two heels. Uh, this company doesn't really do heels too much in terms of against each other. They, they I mean, they should. I just, I don't, I just don't see it. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I I think Britt Baker's my victory. My victory. My victory. 
<laughs> in this match, uh, you know, comparatively. And I guess it sort of plays her hand into the next match, which will be uh, champion Nyla Rose taking on number one ranked Takara Shida in a no DQ, no count out AEW women's title match. Um, mm. Yeah, so big. Stipulations are for it's odd. Yeah, uh, they. I guess the addition of these stipulations was sort of in in tying to kendo the ken. Yeah, the the kendo stick of it all. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. No, but we got a we got a match here finally after all these felt like months. Shida Hikaru Shida gets a proper singles. Uh, not even gonna say proper singles. She gets a singles match, but it is a no DQ no count out. Which interesting enough, uh, you know, uh, my my WWE brain is like, oh, looks like people are gonna be involved in the match, because um, I don't know, I I, I think it's gonna be interesting. Uh, you know, obviously we can't really again look at sort of the stunt, the numbers, the stats of it all because it's a DQ match. You know, they hit each other with candlesticks and chairs. We're we gonna do a, a candlestick hit rate or something. I don't know. It's gonna be insane. But uh, looking at this, I mean, sort of playing our hand from the Britt Baker match, I personally like, really like the idea of Hikaru Shida winning. Um, I think, again, however, it, I always have to see the caveat. This, it, it might be this thing of a thank you, and I don't want to establish this idea that we're going to give you stuff for showing up. Um, yeah. But Hikaru Shida has been slowly but surely and almost in the behind the scenes of like dark been winning week after week after week now she finally gets that title shot can she get to pull out the victory i like to say she will of course maybe Britt baker gets involved in the match somehow but i also like the idea of hikaru shida winning and then we do a hikaru shida Britt baker match moving forward potentially maybe that's the all-out match who knows what do you think craig yeah, it's interesting. Um, the, the stipulation seems to be throwing me. I don't know if that's a WWE thing, like, what's the way out of this? What's, you know, stipulations, etc. Yeah. Um, the stipulations make me feel that Nyla Rose is going to win. If it wasn't for that, I would have been swayed more to want, towards Shida. But I don't know if that's just if that's just my Orange Cassidy. Like, I think that Shida's fantastic. And, yeah, I think she works as champion. But... I also don't like Nyla Rose very much. Um, I don't particularly think that, into, I suppose until recently, that she had been booked particularly well. Um, she's been better in the last, since she won the title. But yeah, I don't know. Um, Shida, perhaps. Yeah, there's, there's, it, there is something about this match that I'm thinking about. It is sort of Hikaru Shida's kendo stick versus Nyla Rose tables. Um, mm, yeah. <laughs> Uh, if I if I had to put the money down, maybe tables is more devastating. Yeah, but, I think we'll, we'll see some tables. But there's always the spot. I always, you know, I'm thinking of like the spots and whatnot. There's always a spot of setting up the table. They're both battling on the apron or whatever, and then Hikarashita hits Nyla Rose with the you know Hikarashita can't power bomb Nyla Rose through the table or whatever. But it, it wasn't until she uses the kendo stick to knock out Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose falls through the table, and then one two three pin or I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. These these are just my my ideas flourishing. Well, I suppose the the other option, which I think you're alluding to, is the stipulation is the way out to put the title on Shida without um, making Nyla Rose look too bad. Like, look at what Shida had to do to Nyla Rose to to win the match. Mm-hmm. True, that is very true. That it she has to 
potentially use a lot of instruments uh yeah to yeah. take her away and sort of in that way defends nyla rose as sort of this monster um yeah no that i that's always a possibility you know straight up we don't want to make her diminish her monsterness mm-hmm. um and, yeah. and yeah. maybe there is maybe there is something in saying that hey you know nyla rose quarantined herself and Sheeta did it so maybe nyla rose is sort of changing the titles and then going back in quarantine you know she's doing the job or whatever yeah. i don't that's that's all conspiracy theory really um but who knows my pick's Sheeta. i i like Sheeta. i think she's a great wrestler i think she's she's uber baby face she's yeah amazingly talented you know have you seen these videos on oh, twitter she yeah. can sing play the piano yeah oh my god maybe she should be a heel <laughs> they should be a heel that's that's the wwe logic it's like oh she's great <laughs> she's great maybe let's turn her heel um okay well let's go into the next matchup and that is cody versus lance archer for the inaugural aew tnt championship of course will be presented by none other than iron mike tyson himself left field um, which just popped up and i was like whoa okay here we go um i'd love to see it but yeah cody versus lance archer for the tnt championship cody being ranked number two lance number three craig what's your takes um so i was having a quick look at the stats for this um lance archer fifth out of 38 competitors in terms of getting offense in second out of 30 in terms of taking offense so he's kind of his matches seem to be there's a lot of um danger like he's trying to hit people hard and fast they're hitting flurries of offense on him mm-hmm. um, but also the idea that we're playing with that lance archer ask for offense often yes yeah yeah and yeah he's kind of fifth out of 38 competitors in terms of like rate of how quickly he's dishing it out but yeah as you're saying he kind of spends a lot of time laughing at his opponent's inability to hurt him. Cody, in comparison, 25th out of 38 competitors, offense rate given um, 27th out of 38 in terms of offense taken. So Lance Archer, in a short amount of time, has kind of proven himself able to dish it out and even more able to take it. Cody has been there a while, and his matches, they are longer, so there tends to be less offense offense rates get watered down when matches are longer because there's more kind of selling of um injuries so Mm -hmm. things slow down towards the end but cody doesn't have um the same kind of proven track record of the kind of speed of offense and the ability to take it like um lance archer does yes and then there's always that uh like we talked about earlier there's always that lance archer strike down rate of 62 per hour uh, which is insane to really think Absolutely. about. We're really get the test of time here when it comes to this match coming up. Um, yeah, no, uh, it's tough. You know, I'm looking at this match right now, and <clears throat> I don't see any reason why Lance Archer shouldn't win. Uh, you know, I think Cody is a great idea. Obviously, not being able to challenge for the world championship, I think a TNT title would be great, especially there's the idea of it being Cody, TNT, there's all these aspects. That I like about it, but just Lance Archer coming in and taking a title right off the bat, especially from Cody, especially the story that we've been given, I think makes sense. Uh, Lance Archer, honestly, is my pick to win. Uh, I, I think you know it would be nice for him to to get the victory. Then maybe Iron Mike Tyson pulls like the the you know Stone Cold thing and punches Cody in the jaw. I don't know. Um, 
or again, but maybe he cashes in his chip from earlier in the match or earlier in the show and, and cashes in on the TNT title because whatever Iron Mike says is what whatever Iron Mike does. And that's just one of those many jokes that I'm sliding in. Anyways, Lance Search is my pick. Craig, what do you think? Um, yeah, so I, I, it's hard. Like, all of the story, all, all of the reasoning points to Cody, all of the out of the kayfabe points to Cody, um, the man has 970,000 followers on Twitter. He's personable. He's the face of the company. TNT probably like him. He's got all of the kind of tools for to be to be the guy. And um, then there's the storyline with the stipulation. You can't challenge for the world title. What if gets the what if he gets the TNT title? Is that good? Is that just a reminder that it's not the title that he wants? Mm-hmm. Like all all of the all of the story, all of the kind of complex story points to Cody winning. But when you boil it down to kind of old-fashioned, simplistic wrestling, capitalizing on what's there in front of you, um, Lance Archer's not a young guy. I think he's like 43 or something. He has come in hot. He's exciting. He's one of the best things on the show. Like, everybody loves his matches. They're so exciting. Mm-hmm. He's he is the... Is he... Can I say he's the best big man in the business at the moment? I can't think of somebody that I enjoy more. I really doubt there is someone, um, except maybe like Brock Lesnar when he's wrestling a Finn Balor, Daniel Bryan type character. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like it's the hardest one to call for me. I think as to be Archer, but there's so many reasons it could be Cody. Yeah, there, there's a lot. Of, it's really what it is. It's like it's down to like there's political. I would, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how to say it. Political booking reasons why it should be Cody, yeah. but just the domination of Lance Archer. I really like Cody because it's like Cody is the is the spearhead. This is the mm-hmm. TNT Championship, you know, the the Network's Championship that you know Cody is Cody's the face of. Defeated Lance Archer as well. Exactly, it, it, it's uh, it's a whole thing that I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm this is probably, you know, I guess the streak continues. This Cody match is probably the one I'm most interested in on this card. Yeah, oh, yeah, me too. Just because the the potentials of it all is just there's astoundingness that that is all over the place. That I, I can't wait. Uh, moving forward, uh, we have the just real quickly this stadium stampede match. We don't really know anything about it. I guess really ultimately, uh, it, it's going to be Inner Circle versus the Elite. Um, yes. you know, it's going to be stadium stampede match, which I guess is just a fight around Jacksonville Jaguar stadium. Um, similarly yeah. to the street fight that we had earlier, who, I guess the question that kind of is out there is who is going to be fighting on behalf of the elite. I think Omega and Hardy is positive. Um, the question is, are we, you know, are the Jacksons coming back? The Young Bucks coming back? Is Adam Page coming back? Who knows? I think the Jacksons will be there. You think? Yeah, I think so. That's that's what I sort of feel as well. Do you can you see Adam Page coming back? Um, I don't know. I think that's hard. Why? Like, why, why I, you say that? I don't. Know. I just. It would be hard for him to have stayed out 
for all this time for no other reason. We don't think there's any other reason than just his kind of own decision. Yes. Yeah. But then, is it four v four? Is it five versus five? Um, is it five v four? Perhaps does Marty Skrull get brought in for one night? Cody fight twice? Don't know. Yeah. These. Oh man, Cody fighting twice. I didn't even think about that idea either. Oh man. Yeah. I. I, it, there's so many it, th- I think this is also one of those matches where it's like it's way too early to tell because we don't yeah. I guess we're going to figure it all out on Wednesday because um, uh, last week was taped this week will be live yeah uh, right. then you know, obviously then going into the pay-per-view and presumably the week after that is taped um, who, who, knows? Knows? who knows who knows what am I Tony Khan um <laughs> Yeah, so I guess we'll officially probably find out who the members of the Elite are this week. Adam Page and the Jacksons all make sense. Uh, assuming it's those teams, who do you think is going to win? Um, I I think the Inner Circle wins here. I think that the Elite will win the eventual Blood and Guts match whenever, if ever that happens. Mm-hmm. I, I think a loss here really hurts the Inner Circle. And... They, they do seem to be starting to build them up again. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think the Elite need the win. I don't think they should win. Um, I think there's a better story if Hangman Adam Page is there, but I suppose you can keep that because people will be invested in that whenever whenever it happens. I sort of think, uh, the obviously depending on the team, I think the elite should win, in my opinion. Uh, I, I sort of, I sort of see what you mean, like the inner circle uh, maybe could use the win. But I also go back to the inner circle technically kind of won the street fight, you know, it was just a yeah, tag yeah. match. Um, so I was sort of thinking in the sense of like this could be that comeuppance match. Maybe this match is sort of, realistically speaking, the 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 filler match for the blood and guts match that was supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, and you know in that match I would have probably said inner circle but now I'm sort of like after all this time I, I feel like the, if the inner circle win then I don't think the story is over and I think we need to maybe move slightly off of it to go have the elite win and maybe the elite go in to face the dark order or something like that maybe Brody yeah, Lee but- gets the world title shot then goes back down and they all fight um, of course, there's no, you know, there's no actual proper Dark Order tag team. Um, well, I Not guess you could really. do, I guess you could do Alex Reynolds and John Silver, but we haven't seen them either. Um, yeah, I think they're also not around. So, so who knows? I guess it really depends on who they have available to them. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of feel like Elite could get the win. We establish Matt Hardy as a threat. <laughs> dot dot dot. Um, I don't know. I, I sort of I'm not I'm not confident in that in that decision, but I sort of am leaning towards an elite victory. Cool. Yeah, makes sense. Well, let's get into the final match, which is of course the main event. And that main event is John Moxley taking on number four ranked Brody Lee. We've sort of been alluding to this and sort of talking about this match for the past two weeks. Um, you know, sort of talking about the strike downs and the match last week with John Moxley <clears throat> and Frankie Kazarian. Um, there's a lot of stuff playing into here. Not really going into the strike downs and everything too much, but basically Brody Lee is dominant. Um, and the story of the match is going to probably be Brody Lee being an unstoppable force 
but John Moxley is incredibly resilient. Uh, total offense taken 202, uh, so he's taken a lot of punishment. Can uh, Moxley's threshold of pain outlast J- Brody Lee's sheer force of nature, really? that That's really the story of the match that we've been setting up here. Uh, so all of that in, in consideration, Craig, what are you thinking here? Who is walking away the champion? Um, so I've got um, John Moxley, and we we spoke a little earlier about how this might be um, a bit of a a bit of a filler, um, bit of a B kind of like a B show type match. And I, I think I think that's probably the case. Um, I don't see them taking the title off Moxley here. Um, in terms of the kind of story behind it, the numbers, um, John Moxley's kind of his total offense that he's been like hit with in his AEW twenty twenty career is 359 he's taken it in total so that's not like per hour or anything that's the actual total number and number number two in AEW, um somebody who has wrestled for 15 minutes longer than john moxley and cody rhodes has taken over well 101 shots fewer than john moxley so john moxley has been hit a lot essentially wow um so yeah, the the resilience thing there, um, percentage of matches match uh, match offense forty five percent on average for John Moxley. Um, his again, this this is where it's really interesting with John Moxley. It's not even like he's taken a lot of offense and is showing that he's great at refer, reversing wrestling move, moves. Um, his average reversal rate is twenty three percent. That is the thirty fourth highest out of thirty eight competitors. He's way down at the bottom. He's just able to get hit, slammed, um, torqued and submission moves a lot and come out of it on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think he's going to be able to take everything that Brody Lee can dish out. He and he has a track record of this. He he defeated Pac when he had one eye. He defeated Kenny Omega when Kenny Omega was throwing everything at him in that crazy unsanctioned match. Um, and he kind of has a blueprint for this already. He he defeated um, Jake Hager in that empty arena match a few weeks ago. And it was kind of a similar kind of idea. Jake Hager went into that 4-0 um, and Moxley still proved his resilience, still came out on top. So yeah, I think I think if somebody is in is being positioned as a guy to absorb and, you know, hit his hit his um, one shot against Brody Lee, it is John Moxley. Even adding to that story that you're talking about, you're talking about John Moxley versus Chris Jericho, which kind of the story of that match was the numbers game, right? Where it was the inner circle sort of being a, the pack of wolves that John Moxley has to defend himself. It, you know, looking at this match, you not only have the unstoppableness of like a, you know, the Hager's storyline breeding into Brody Lee, but you also have the numbers game of the, you know, the Dark Order, you know, press press 10 vents yeah. uh, and, you know, potentially Alex Reynolds, John Silver, seeing if we have them or all the other masked uh, people that are in this promotion. Um on that match, that match that you mentioned, um, it, sorry, it's just my notebook, so it's not proper data, but um, Y2J, 85, sorry, Jericho, 85 offensive maneuvers to John Moxley, 75 
um, in that match. So yeah, again, it's just it's resilience, resilience, resilience. Yeah, yeah, and this is definitely that match where they're bringing into question is Brody Lee is incredibly powerful, but so can he put down Moxley's resilience? When when does the yeah. resilience break? Is the question. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's the thing is like you know we we going back to our just conversation of who will take the title from John Moxley. It really feels like it's someone that I don't know. It's it's if if Brody Lee, who is incredibly powerful, it's got to be someone that is incredibly even more powerful. I don't like I don't know. Or something's got something has to break for John Moxley, and hopefully it's not like an actual bone. But uh, mm. something's got something has to break, and I, is it Brody Lee? Can it be Brody Lee? I, I if only there was a guy on the roster that had a finishing move that nobody'd ever kicked out of. Are you talking about Orange Cassidy? Because <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. Maybe maybe it's not the most powerful person in the division. Maybe it's the most sloth-like person in the division to take down. The, the the resilient John Moxley. You know, maybe it's just the inverse of power is what you need. <laughs> How um, could you argue with such a such a well thought through plan? <laughs> this is this is the booking that needs needs to be done. You know, it's that that is what makes the most sense to me. Um but yeah, I, I agree. I think John Moxley winning this match makes the most sense. Again, it's tough because it's like looking at these numbers how can it not be Brody Lee? You know, he can't, you know, he can probably add more numbers games into it. You know, I don't know. It's really tough. Brody Lee has been incredibly powerful, but it, John, I mean, it doesn't make any won. sense for him to win at this point in terms of booking. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I, From a non-kayfabe point of view, um, it seems likely that... um. Brody will Lee will lose, and this will this will feed into the whole the whole persona. He'll become a bit more deranged. He'll find, um, he'll find masked creepers to blame, um, and it'll, it'll just further his kind of character uh, character growth. Mm-hmm. Plus, if we you know not to take, steal my idea from earlier, but if we have you know maybe Dark Order versus the Elite, then you can potentially have maybe like a Cody versus Brody Lee for the TNT Championship. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which uh, he could perhaps lose again, and you know more anger and rage thrown around it. You know, yeah, he Brody Lee is a character that if he wins, awesome. If he loses, still works. <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. yeah. Um, and then him, the Dark Order going after the Elite is obviously a storyline that they've teased, but hasn't quite happened yet. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see where that goes. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. That's what they were setting, what they were setting up for when you look at the the numbers, like Dark Order five and five and O as a tag team. That's very true. That is very true. Um, Sorry, Sandra. No, you're good. Uh, I, you know, looking at it, like Cody and Lance Archer was the match that I'm most excited for just outside of the show. But since doing this show, I've found like the more appreciation and excitement from looking at the numbers and stats and everything when it comes to this match. I probably yeah, wouldn't be, I probably wouldn't be like the most excited about this match, you know, Moxley versus Brody Lee, if I didn't really understand, fully understand the idea that. Brody Lee is incredibly dom- dominant. Moxley is incredibly resilient. All the numbers oh. really present that idea. 
And it's like, oh, that's the story. Now that's what I'm looking for when it comes to that match. But do you think, like, but like, what what is what is the idea with that? Like, is is it supposed to be? Is it supposed to be uh, an implicit story where like people just kind of like I don't know? For me, the story is better with the numbers when you use the numbers to illustrate it like that. I um, I, I would agree, and that's what yeah. I'm, that's I guess what I'm kind of trying to say is that if I I I I'm, think I'm not, the story I'm not, I wasn't. I wasn't um, raising that at you. It was more like the the kind of why why aren't they doing this? Yes, yes. I I I think that implicitly, I think that's what the story has been shown to us. You know, fighting an empty arena match against Hager. You know, fighting beating Chris Jericho. I think they're <laughs> or you know overcoming Kenny Omega. I think they're they've sort of been setting up this idea implicitly that. Mm-hmm. Moxley is incredibly resilient, but I agree that like knowing the numbers, knowing the stats behind it, and everything, it's like, and knowing that that's that implicitly becomes explicit to a certain extent, sure. um, by looking at the stats and analytics of it all, um, that it becomes it be- makes the match way more exciting to me. Why they're not? Yeah. I, I don't know if they. This it's one of those things that you know it's the the thing that we talk about every once in a while that if they had a show i don't know maybe like a show like ours that really mm-hmm. went into the numbers and stats of everything then and you know really into that that sports stats idea mm-hmm. more then this is perfect presentation for them <laughs> like it's basically oh. like i basically i'm putting over ourselves is what i'm trying to do <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is what people thought that they were talking about at the beginning like people say that so often when they discover, you know, some graphic that's been put together or whatever. It's you know, I thought that Jr. was going to be announcing these halfway through matches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they're not more explicitly doing it, but you know, that's what we're here for, folks. We're here to to bring those implicit ideas to light. Um, so thank you everybody for uh, listening to this week's episode of Wrestling with Statistics. That's our preview of Double or Nothing. We are both, I mean, speaking for Craig, I, I think we're both very excited for this pay per view in the sense that there are some matches. We sort of talked about that there's, it's not the most hyped thing, but there mm-hmm. are some things in here that are exciting to look at on a finer scale. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how this Saturday turns out. We'll be back next week to really dive deep into the double or nothing matches that take place. Um, it, our episode pr- maybe we sort of talked about this last week after the show, uh, Craig. Our episode probably won't come out on Monday just because nope. of timing and everything. So look for that to drop probably sometime around like a Tuesday, maybe as late as Wednesday. Maybe we'll check out our Twitter just to you know double check. We'll tweet out just to be mm-hmm. confident. Um, but yeah, uh, any any final things to really say, Craig? Anything to say to the folks at home before Double or Nothing? Oh, I feel pressure to have something to say. Um, I yeah, don't really, really, really bring home the troops on this one. <laughs> no, um, do do have a look. Uh, this is on this is on ProWrestlingMusings.com. There's an article that's got all of the graphs in here. It's it's worth looking at. I you know, um, I, I look at them myself, and you know, spend some time looking at them myself, which is. Um, kind of a nice reaffirming thing for me, but yeah, um, you know, have a look. It's all it's all there, and it really enhances the kind of the listening experience. 
Yeah, no, definitely go check that out. Uh, there will be a description or a link in the description of this podcast episode where you can go check that out. And of course, there's always the YouTube video version of this mm-hmm. uh, this podcast that you can go to Hit the Books Podcast uh, on YouTube. There will be a link of that in the description as well um, where you can sort of go and watch a version of this podcast and get more information as you're listening to it. As you're watching it? Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh <laughs> uh follow us uh follow me at twitter at hit the books pod uh you can follow craig at pw musings um you know if you like what you heard take a leave a leave a what am i trying to say leave a review if you like what you heard leave a review we would greatly appreciate that uh if you want to leave a review um of course if you want to hear more of it you can always subscribe there's always more things on this sort of network podcast network sort of thing that you can uh listen to like hit the books flagship Every Friday's fantasy, <laughs> fan, you know, fantasy booking, realistic fantasy booking, where each week it's like SmackDown versus Raw. It's kind of like GM mode, SmackDown versus Raw is basically what we're doing. And you can check out those every Friday. Uh, like I said, PW Musings on Twitter, Pro Wrestling Musings on the internet. Go check that out. Definitely. Uh, we'll be back sometime next week. Uh, just check out our Twitter just to double check those things. Um, oh, and one last thing. Uh, if you feel inclined, obviously, you know, people are going through tough times and we're not, we don't want to pressure or anything, but uh, if you would like to uh, potentially donate anything to the show, um, you can, we're always, we're housed on redcircle.com. Uh, there's a link in the bottom description of this podcast and you can donate um, to sort of financially help us or anything during these troubling times. Obviously, we understand that it's it's weird and everything is happening, so we're not saying it's not a necessary thing or anything. We're just sort of like, if you feel inclined in any capacity, we would obviously greatly appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so for Craig, I've been Ryan. Thank you everybody for listening to Wrestling of Statistics. We'll see you next week. Enjoy Double or Nothing. Have a good day. Goodbye. Goodbye.